welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time to check us out. It's been a busy last couple of months, I would say. Uh, done a lot of episodes and uh, we actually have some great guests scheduled for March. Uh, many music people, but also a few surprises with some non-music people in there as well. And uh, I plan on doing a lot more of that, actually. I really love interviewing the musicians, but I also want to branch out and showcase some of my other interests. So I hope you guys will continue to follow the show. Um, I've got a great guest coming up from a Netflix show. I don't want to give it away, but it should be pretty exciting. Uh, and like I said, I will continue to have musicians on. And in fact, my next episode will be a musician from a very well-known band. So that'll be very fun. Speaking of musicians from well-known bands, my guest today, Maddie McCloskey, was in a very big band, Rev Theory. And these guys toured with so many big rock bands. I can't believe their resume. Seven Dust, Buck Cherry, Avenged Sevenfold, Five Finger Death, Death Punch, Motley Crue, Papa Roach. They've done a bunch of tours with Hinder. And the list goes on and on and on. But besides all those tours, they had songs on the radio, um, plus the song Hell Yeah. One of their biggest hits was like WWE. It's in hockey arenas. It's in video games. It's on the TV show, Blue Mountain State. It's all over the place. If you haven't heard that song, definitely check it out. It's great. Um, as is their newest song, Make Me a Drink. I love that title, by the way. And Maddie explains all of this in the episode. It was really fun chatting with him. He's such a cool guy. So enjoy. Welcome, Maddie McCloskey to the Chuck Shoot Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Great. Just great. It's a lovely sunny day here in Arizona. You're in San Diego, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. But you grew up in Philly. Yeah. I grew up outside of Philadelphia. So uh, the weather's a lot different. It's yeah. Really so nice tell me what it's like. I've never been to Philadelphia. I've been to New York, but I've never yeah. been that far in Philadelphia. Where is it like the song West Philadelphia born and raised <laughs> or yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like, all day. were you yeah. like in the suburbs or you like in the city or I was, yeah, I was in the suburbs right okay. outside the city. Um, so just normal suburban life, but you know, Philly's right there. So, um, you know, it's a great city, a lot of character, um, you know, definitely that East coast vibe, you know, people are definitely a little more upfront. Um, do you like that better or do you like people being more polite? You know, <laughs> like I lived in LA for a while and, yeah. you know, definitely a different world where you know people are you know the cliche is that they're they're generally not as authentic yeah uh, you know you find your people I've, I've met a lot of people from the east coast out here and uh, san diego is definitely different it's a little more like i find it's a little more punk rock a little mm. a little uh a little more genuine than la but uh philly is just like east coast straight up honest like brutal um the sense of humor is way different. It's a lot more sarcastic. So oh, really? I have a little bit of both worlds. In, in Do people my, like, are people more uh, like ripping on each other on the East coast? Like with your, oh, with your yeah, guy friends sure. and stuff, are you giving each other shit more? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. All my friends back home are just like always giving me shit for stuff. So that's funny. That's so just, that's just a sense of humor, you know? Yeah. So then when did you get into music? At what age did you start getting into music? And like, what were your favorite bands and your favorite bass players that influenced you? Yeah, I, uh, I started, I've been doing music most of my life. I've been singing my whole life. Um, I picked up, you know, in, in like grade school, I was playing saxophone for a few years. That was my first real instrument. And then around 12, I picked up bass. Um, and you know, I've gone through different, different phases of my life with different genres of music. You know, I grew up, uh, my parents raised me on, you know, Beatles, 
the police rush, stuff like that. So, um, you know, Paul McCartney staying. Oh yeah. All, all Those are three of the greatest players. bass players you just named. That's um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was kind of my early upbringing. And then, um, you know, I got into grunge stuff and punk rock and all that type of thing. Uh, so, you know, stone temple pilots rage against the machines, uh, no effects, propaganda, um, you know, I went through a whole ska phase. I was into that stuff. Then I got into heavier stuff as I got older. Um, System of a Down or Fused, um, two, two of my favorites. Oh, nice. Still, you know, Raging Against Machine. I've always been a big Radiohead geek since I was uh, in probably middle school. Um, I, yeah, I never could get into them. I, I know everyone yeah. loves them. And I yeah. some of their songs I do like, but I never could like listen to their stuff and just go like, oh, this... I feel like it's like you have to be a real musician to understand it. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, when I when I first got into them, it was their second album, uh, The Benz, which is a lot, you know, as they as they progressed and evolved, they became like way more like electronic and, mm. and really out there mm-hmm. and like leaps and bloops and all that stuff. Yeah. Which I really did because I'm into, you know, all different genres. And uh, um, but when I fell in love with them was the bands, which was more like rock, more acoustic guitar, more just like traditional song driven structures and whatnot. And um, I think it was just, you know, like certain periods in your life, you connect with things. I really connected with that, you know, I was in a different headspace at the time in my life and I just really connected with that album and it was huge for me. So, well, like, so you're in like a dark headspace at the time. Cause their music's kind of dark. It feels like, yeah, it was, it was weird. You know, I was, I was, you know, going through my, my early teens. So I was going through that phase where things are changing and you're in a weird headspace and, you know, I had some family issues and whatnot. So there was just, you know, that was just the headspace I was in and I really connected with it. And, you know, I was spending a lot of time just chilling in my bedroom, playing bass and learning songs and singing and learning how to write music and whatnot. And, you know, that's it's kind of an isolated headspace where you're just, you know. No, I totally get that. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. I, not necessarily, I played guitar a little bit. I sucked. But I really just like listening <laughs> to music as a teen. I remember in like reading Metal Edge and like all the magazines. And so I was always so interested in the the lifestyle and just like the music, yeah. just cranking it out. Yeah. And like, you'd have that like energy and you just listen to music and like Pantera or something. It would get, it would get out the, the uh, anger and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. That was like when I first started listening to rage on their first album, I was like, I thought I discovered something. I was like, this is sick. This is, I've never heard anything like this. And it was so like, Oh yeah. And angsty and, and really For sure. got into it. Especially that I, first album. Oh yeah. The first album was just like, it was transformative. Like, so you're going through this like teen phase and you're listening to all yeah. the music and stuff. And um, now, but you must've kept good grades during this time because you got into NYU and that is not yeah. an easy feat. Isn't that like a hard school to get into? I mean, the, the list of alumni, I can't even tell you everybody. Cause there's so many famous people that went there. <laughs> it's definitely a competitive. Um, I, I was, yeah, I mean, I was playing music, but you know, I was also like pretty, um, focused on academics and I was also an athlete. So, you know, I was doing all kinds of things. I was playing in bands. I was doing choir. I was running track and field. I was playing other sports, um, in leagues and, uh, 
and just, yeah, focusing on, on my academics and I got in NYU and I felt really lucky to be in New York. And it was an awesome period in my life where I was, you know, I was 18 I was living in Manhattan and I was just like, this is crazy. I mean, it really opened your eyes to the world. I mean, you see sure. everything. So, um, that was a huge thing for me, but yeah, I, uh, I was pretty focused, you know, on the early on in my life and, uh, you know, I tried to excel at so many different things and, um, you know, how did, so how did you, was there one thing or was it a combination of, they saw like, Oh, this guy can do music and sports and everything. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it was, um, I actually, I didn't get, I got accepted to NYU, but I didn't get into the program I wanted, which was, I wanted to go into film oh, and they didn't accept me because be cool. I didn't have like, I didn't have like a, uh, I didn't have any like film credits. Like I had done music stuff, but I didn't have any like films I made or anything. So oh. I didn't really have anything to showcase. Um, but they were like, we'll accept you into the general program. And then you can see, see where you go from there. And I ended up going into the music program because I had been doing music so much in high school. And that year, that first year at NYU, I just missed it so much. I was like, I want to oh. go into music. So I got into their music theater program. So I was studying all all facets of music and then acting and voice and diction and all these other did you uh, get your degree then from nyu or i actually didn't i left nyu to for rev theory for rev theory uh, okay right yeah so that was around yeah. that time you guys met up and they had yeah, actually already those guys i think i was a junior in college i met those okay. guys and they wanted to fast track the project and we just were making leaps and bounds so quickly that i was like you know what i'll i'll take some i i took a, a break from school mm. i mean, technically drop out. I just took a pause, but I ended up not going back because our career just kind of took off for sure. Yeah. So that first was the first kind of big break that you had the, the girls gone wild tour. Like you have to explain this. Cause like, <laughs> well, I remember yeah. the girls gone wild infomercials and, um, but yeah. I don't remember the tour. Like did, did the girls, was our girls accompanying you on there? Or they just sponsored yeah. it or what, it's, what was that? It's funny because I, I had him, no one's really brought that up, but Johnny, when I was on uh Johnny uh, Christ, podcast the other day he brought it up i haven't heard about that in a while and uh, that was actually something that our management orchestrated they put the whole thing together they uh our our manager steve ferraro was a promoter in long island and so that was just kind of in his wheelhouse and he uh he came up with this idea i guess he had met some people from girls gone wild and was like hey i have an idea like let's do a rock tour girls are a wild thing but the thing was we didn't bring girls with us it was supposed to be that they showed up so some of the shows were you know there were a lot of chicks but some of the shows there weren't and guys were like we're all the chicks and we're like you're supposed to bring them like (laughs) (laughs) that should have been in the ticket somewhere like bring own your own girls yeah yeah. bring your girls um yeah so that's crazy i mean it got it kind of got us on the map you know Mm -hmm. it was one of the first bigger tours we did we did with hinder and um they were kind of popping off at the moment so it it worked out but uh i mean there there were a slew of kind of breaks that we had like people you know random bands just reaching out to us to take us on tours so like seven dust was one of the first big bands that asked us to go on tour which we're huge seven dust fans so it was that was a big deal and then buck cherry and evanescence yeah. And then the Evanescence store was also a huge thing because we were, so we had gotten a uh, uh, deal with an independent label and released our first record. And then in that record cycle, 
we were discovered by Evanescence and they hadn't toured in like, I don't know, two years or something. And they were coming on to their second record and they like asked us to go on tour with them. And that was a huge deal because we got a lot of looks from labels who had bands that they wanted on that tour. And mm. they were, we were just kind of like out of the blue. So, yeah. So was it your, was it, you think it was your management a lot or was it just that you made such good music because like the lighted up song was on the WWE theme song and then hell yeah, yeah. that song is in so many things. It's in all these arenas and yeah. uh, the blue state TV show. Like, do you think yeah. it was because of your management doing things behind the scenes or were, were people just like, Oh, I want that song. Yeah. And then, that's all. Yeah, I mean, it was a combination. The, okay. The, our first album was actually before that. We were originally mm-hmm. Revelation. Right. Thing. Yeah. And on our second album, we shortened the name, but that first album got us a lot of looks within the industry as far as like kind of more street cred with bands and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, getting us to that point was, you know, a lot of uh, smart decisions by our management or like creative decisions by our management to kind of get eyes on us and, and ears. And, um, but I think from the first record we went out and we were just hustling. We were playing as many shows as we could. We were on the road constantly. We were going in the crowd doing hand to hand stuff, Hmm. just like literally selling, like jump off stage, go into the crowd and try and sell CDs. And really like just take cash or something. Wow. Yeah. We would just take boxes of CDs and go out and be like, Hey, did you enjoy the show? Like, here's our CD. It's 10 bucks. Wow, I've never heard of that. That's crazy. Throwing money at us, you know, especially like the lead singer goes out and he's like, yeah, walking around. He's, you know, Rich is kind of like a buff guy. Right. He's going hand to hand. People were like freaking out and we sold a lot of CDs that way. And that's what kept us on tour. I mean, we didn't that's really smart self-funded yeah Yeah. and it was funny because a lot of bands uh younger bands that would tour with us saw that and they started doing it next thing you know we're on like other bands are doing the same thing so um and that kind of allowed us to tour more and you know get our music in the hands of a lot of people yeah so do you get just need a little nudge our live show was like really good and and uh people were blown away but you know you give them a little nudge and mm-hmm. the hand to hand interaction and they take a picture with the singer or the bass player or whatever. That helps. Yeah, for sure. And did uh, you get sick? Stoked. of? Did you get sick of that song? Hell yeah. Having it be in so many things. Are you like, every time you see it, you're like, yes, that, cause that's like ka-ching that's money for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, that song was a little deviation from the sound we had originally sought out to, mm-hmm. um, portray. So, um, in the moment we were thrilled. We're like, this song's dope. People are going to love it. And we were on Interscope Records and Jimmy Iovine was like, this is a hit. Like, this is the biggest song. He was super excited. He like brought us into his office and was just like completely jacked on the song. So, but yeah, and we didn't expect that it would be all over the place and still like gets a lot of love on streaming and YouTube and whatnot. Yeah. It's got millions of views on YouTube. So the music video, where was that filmed? Are those planes like brought in oh, as yeah. set pieces or those actual like uh, rusted planes or whatever that. So that was like an airplane graveyard out in um, the desert, like North of Los Angeles. It's, oh. uh, it's uh, Lancaster. Okay. California. That's cool. So it looks really cool. So there was a couple things out there. There was that big like salt flat where they yeah. did the, they did the uh, stunt driving. And then there was this airplane graveyard where they had like all just kind of like rusted out old planes and, we just went in there and they set up the cameras and we just found cool locations to do shoots. And 
And then how did you get the girl, uh, Ashley Mas- Masaro? Is that her name? Yeah. Oh yeah, my she God. Is. She is gorgeous. I'm looking at this video. I'm like, I'm yeah, in love yeah, with this girl. Yeah. Who is she? She's a wrestler. She, apparently. I didn't even yeah, know who she, she was. She was a wrestler and we had got tied in with WWE and, yeah. and she was like, yeah, I'll do the video. And that was it. It was, it was pretty simple. <laughs> she signed on. And, was she distracting when you're playing the bass? Are you like turning your head, like <laughs> trying to not look at her or like. She was, uh, she wasn't at the, she wasn't at the shoot for the live performance. She was just for the, the uh, storyline. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a you cool know, we video. Hung out, we hung out with her and stuff, but yeah, she wasn't there. Cause it was, I think it was a two day shoot. If I remember correctly, where the first day they did kind of like the, mm-hmm. the shots of them in the diner and then the race car, whole driving scene and then another day we did the live okay um, airplane graveyard shoot so no yeah that's a cool video and then so then randy orton another wrestler then he picks does he pick your song voices or or does he ask you guys to write a song for him or how did that work no it wasn't quite like that they they actually approached us and they had kind of mapped out the song already and they you know we were doing stuff with them and they were like hey do you want to do the song and we're like cool so they brought it to us and we kind of did our version of of that and they had kind of the lyrical content and whatnot um and they were like this is what we want to go for and like this is his storyline and stuff so Mm. it was kind of interesting to see under the hood for that and how they kind of create stuff and all the process that goes into it because i mean i hadn't really seen wrestling in probably a decade when that came on our, on our plate. So um, it was interesting to see how, like how big of a, of a production it is. And we got to be backstage for stuff and I had no idea how, how huge it was. So wrestling really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm not a big fan, but it's very popular. Yeah. I mean, not even here, but internationally, I mean, they're massive corporations. So wow, um, really cool. And they were, they were really good to us. I mean, the, you know, it was awesome that they gave us that exposure and whatnot. So for sure, you know, we had a lot of fun experiences with them, but yeah, I mean, wow. What goes into that stuff is incredible. And you know, how, how involved and, uh, and yeah, they have their own music guy that does most of the music. Jim, oh, interesting. I didn't know Jim that. Jeffries, I think his name or Jim. Jim something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, it's been so many years. I forget. Yeah. But, and then yeah. in 2008, you guys did a tour again. You, t- why do you guys tour with hinder so much? Are you just like best friends uh, with them or like what there's like, yeah, like oh. I think well, we, we did. Yeah. We probably did two or three tours, maybe three tours with them. We just became friends. We had the same lawyer and mm. we just connected and they actually helped um, get us our deal with Interscope. They kind of oh. connected the dots um because the guy that was doing the production brian house um they had him come to one of our rehearsals when we were writing our our second record and he was just like this is awesome i want to sign you guys and he had a deal with interscope so we just kind of all came together but yeah they're good they're good friends of ours and you know we've known them for years and done touring together and what about so also on that tour in 2008 was trapped um, are you, do you keep in touch with them? And are you, uh, are you aware of this drama with their singer? He gets kicked off Facebook. Like, do you have an opinion on that? Or it's kind of uh, crazy. I, honestly, we, we toured with them, but we didn't really forge a strong relationship with them. Um, we didn't really hang out much. Um, but I did my, my, uh, current manager turned me on to some of the stuff he was saying on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And, pissing people off, I guess. I, yeah. I didn't really look into it that much, but it's definitely giving him a lot of attention, which is probably. Yeah. 
That's All true. Did, I guess. So. I don't know. You now, but now he can't post anything because they kicked the band page off the Facebook or whatever. Oh, really? Oh yeah. my God. What was he saying? I, I, I guess some of it was constructed. I didn't even, I don't remember exactly, but I think some of it was considered racist or like white supremacist oh, wow. kind of stuff. So yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. But There's it's funny. A lot of that stuff going on. Yeah, there was like a point. It had a, somebody had a good point. They said, you know, if he's going to post, I should have done it from his own personal page and not the band yeah. page. Because the other yeah, band members, the band they didn't share the same views. So yeah, that was yeah, not, yeah, that was not good. And I try, I try and keep my views off of any. I mean, I I try to keep off the social media in general. Oh really? Like, Just I don't know. I I feel it's. Don't I, you, you know, don't I, you need I, it though for the band stuff? Don't you have to promote yeah, for the band, band stuff? I do, mm. but personally, I. I, uh, I, I find it's getting pretty toxic or it's been toxic for a bit. So personally I'll go on, I'll look at like funny memes and animals and stuff like that. Tattoo artists and, and, you know, Instagram, I feel like is less of that. I feel like, cause it's just pictures. Yeah, so it's not as many, you know, these big long diatrides about, uh, you know, yeah. politics or whatever. So, right. But yeah. yeah, as far as like the band stuff, I, I don't, put any opinionated stuff on there that's smart yeah (laughs) it's a good idea so then it's not the place yeah you got you guys have done so many cool shows you did a crew fest which i think i don't think it was like a short-lived thing but um were you a motley crew fan because your guitarist at the time was ricky licks which that's got to be a spinoff of nikki six right i mean he had to have been a big crew fan ricky was a huge like 80s hair metal fan so you know, he, he felt right he loved that shit really but, uh, i i definitely i had my my phase with uh motley crew growing up you know i mm-hmm. think i had their i think i had the dr feelgood cassette tape oh nice ate me too much but <laughs> yeah no that's a great album for sure yeah so what? i had that one and i think my brother had some of their their other albums uh he's he's a little older than me so he i would usually just dig into his collection he had a huge collection of music mm-hmm. but uh yeah it was it was a pretty cool experience and we had a lot of fun on that tour did you have any interactions with motley crew or are they kind of in their own trailer or whatever um here and there just little like hey what's up like mm-hmm. just little things backstage but yeah mostly they would keep to themselves and a lot of the times they were just separate they i don't think mm-hmm. they really like hung out together and whatnot they had their own buses and stuff. yeah i think i've heard that but then, so the next uh, album, 2000, I think it was 2010 or 11, you worked with the uh, producer, Terry Date, who you yes. got to tell me about that. Cause he did, in my opinion, he did the best Soundgarden album, Bad Motorfinger. And he also did yeah. those Pantera ones. And I don't think I've interviewed somebody who's worked with him, but he's got quite the resume. And you, you said he was kind of like down to earth, which is like kind of surprising. Cause I thought he would be like intense to get that kind of results from people. Yeah, no, he was super mellow, super down to earth. Um, and he would just. I mean, Pantera, Soundgarden, but he also did like Deftones. He worked with Rob Zombie. Like he would just, he just had all these stories. And when, when we'd have downtime, he'd just be like, oh yeah, this time with Pantera, like this time with, you know, Chris Cornell or Deftones or whatever. And, and those are all bands that we love. So it was just like, whoa, like this is amazing. And, but he was super down to earth and he, he, he was at the board. He was doing, you know, all the fine tuning of things and he just has a really good ear and gets awesome tones. So um, it was a great experience and he's an awesome dude and just his resume is just stacked. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, albums that we love. It was just, uh, just to be in the same room with him was 
incredible. So yeah, but yeah. I mean, we would we would at the end of the day like crack a beer or like he he would buy bottles of wine and be like, oh, you got to try this wine, and we'd just be chilling at the end of the day, you know, sipping on some some beer or wine and just joking around and. It was awesome. That sounds fun. Yeah. Does, yeah. Do you remember any of the stories that he had about these other bands that, Oh man, I can't remember. I remember him talking about Pantera and, and them like kind of courting him to do their album and bringing him down to Texas and just like showing him around Texas and, and him just being like, this is a completely different world. And, and uh, just talking about how, the guys were just awesome guys. Like they're super heavy, but they're just like super cool, like great guys to be around. Oh, they, I think they party pretty crazy or they did back yeah. in the day. Obviously. Yeah. That was a big part yeah. of it too. They, Oh, Oh yeah. I think that was the, one of the stories. There was a drink, something with whiskey and beer or what was that? A black eye or something like that. Oh God. It was like Jim beam and a beer and you would just like pound it. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that I sounds I dangerous. Remember, I have the worst memory for stories, but he had some good ones. What about, um, so then that album you toured with so many great bands, saliva, black label society, puddle of mud, five finger death punch. Do you have any memories yeah. of, of, of touring with those bands? I and mean, those, those are some gr- great bands to work with. Yeah. Um, good experiences. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like specific memories. I mean, just being around guys of that stature is, is awesome. You know, you just feel like you're in, in the midst of royalty. Um, you know, I, every, I can't, I have like really no bad stories to, to tell about any of those bands. Like they were, they were all awesome and fun. Do you um, think you have plans to tour with one of those guys in the future? I don't know. Um, I mean, there's definitely bands on my list of bands I love to tour with, but I wouldn't rule any of those out. Like mm. they, they were all great tours and um, you know, there's other bands I love to tour with um, that we haven't toured with, mm. like in, including bands that, you know, like we, we've spoken of, um, you know, I love Deftones. I'd love to mm. tour with them someday. I yeah. don't know if we're kind it's of comparable, but you know, our sound is evolving, which is something that it is, you know, yeah. I've been working hard at to try and evolve the sound into something a little different. Um, you know, I, I've always been a, a fan of artists that evolve in their career and mm-hmm. don't stay stagnant. Um, you know, I feel like there is sometimes a tendency to just kind of like lean on your, right. you know, your hits and kind of just gravitate to that sound that people are familiar with and you don't want to stray from that, but you know, I'm taking, I'm going at lengths to try and um, delve into sounds that we haven't used before or, you know, structures, um, melodic, you know, chances that I'm trying to take. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of melodic, so that sound uh, or that song, something new uh, 2012, yeah. that was a great song, such a catchy chorus yeah. An awesome video with like a naked girl and a gun. Like, how is that song not bigger? Like, I didn't understand. Do you have a theory? Like, why didn't that one take off as much? Uh, I mean, I think that was during a period where we were kind of in, uh, I don't know, a little bit of a limbo. We weren't on a major label. We were kind of doing a lot of things uh, uh, ourselves and we weren't touring as much. Rich had kind of scaled back the touring and, um, we were just trying to figure out new ways to create and release music Mm. and get it out there. Um, it did, it does have a pretty good amount of love considering that we didn't have a big budget behind it and whatnot. Um, 
but you know, we've been trying to reshape the way we release music for years. And mm-hmm. now that, now that, um, you know, I've kind of taken over on lead and production and, and Julian and I are just kind of like being experimental with how we produce and how we create art. Um, we've been trying to release music um, more consistently instead of just like a bulk of work. We're trying to release it. Consistently. Yeah, it kind of seems to be the new way. So yeah, before yeah. you guys uh, got back together and you, you actually broke up for a little bit. So what, what happened there? Like I know with the uh, rich, he, he got married and he, you know, he did like the family thing. So yeah. this, and he's, he's given you your, uh, or his blessing to continue on, which is really cool. But what, so what is he doing to pay, pay the bills? Cause I mean, he still has to work, right? So did he have to get uh, a real job he, or? Yeah, he, he kind of fell into some business opportunities that were, that really took off from what I know. Mm. Um, he, he's just always had kind of like a, a business sense outside of music. Hmm. Um, you know, he, he had, taken on some endeavors, even like when we were at the height of the band and uh, you know, some things would be moderately successful or unsuccessful or whatever. But uh, I think he moved to Florida and, you know, he got married and had a kid and, and uh, some of these business opportunities panned out. So he just kind of went with that. And around the time he was trying to have a kid, we were, we had released an album through century media and he was just like, Hey guys, I'm trying to do this family thing and I'm not going to tour and basically Hmm. shut down the touring. And we were just kind of like, okay, well, if we're, if we're not going to tour, like, what are we doing? And um, Julian and I were living together in LA and we kind of had a little bit of a falling out during that period. And it was a tough time. I mean, we, we had worked so hard to put this record together completely DIY. Like we, we did everything from, you know, tracking to mixing, mastering everything. Um, you know, a lot of work putting art together and whatnot, but. Um, yeah. So what happened with you and well. Julian though? What was, I mean, you guys have obviously gotten figured it out what the problem was. Was there something that, uh, was it just frustration with the, with everything that was going yeah, on? I think, I think there was frustration. We had some friction that was kind of unspoken and we just, it just kind of festered, I guess. And we never really addressed it. Hmm. Um, and we went our separate ways. And I think over time we just realized that we, we were really good together creatively hmm. and um you know we had always been the the backbone of the creative so um you know we've we've been writing together for a, you know over a decade so it's like you can't you can't really you know we, when you have a connection like that it's yeah away from it so so you um, reached out to him or he reached out to you or how did it he actually yeah he i had moved to san diego and he ended up back in vancouver where he he uh originated from uh, Vancouver, Canada. Right. And um, we had produced a bunch of music that was just sitting around on a hard drive. And he's like, dude, he's like, this stuff's too good. We got to put it out. And I guess he had been talking with Rich and Rich had kind of given him, given him the okay to kind of do what we want. And mm-hmm. he came to me and I said, sure. Yeah, let's give it a shot. And he kind of orchestrated the whole thing. And I provided the tracks and he, uh, you know, we started launching stuff through just DistroKid, just like an independent um, distributor. Mm. And people were reacting to it. So we just kept putting more music out. And then more people got interested. And we got a different distribution deal and a manager. And we're just kind of like keeping this DIY mantra and going with it. And it's reacting and the numbers are going up. So that's great. 
And so, yeah, so you're singing now. Um, Will you be singing, like if you guys do a live show, are you going to sing the old stuff or does someone else help out with the the vocal duties or how's that going to work? Yeah, I mean, that's that's something we've debated, Um, you know, because Rich definitely has a distinct timber to his voice that, you know, I could emulate, but ultimately I wouldn't sound like him. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, that doesn't mean we can't pull it off. So I think it would be some iteration of mixing up a lot of the new stuff with like bits and pieces of older stuff. You know, obviously people know us for certain songs. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something we've debated for a bit, like how we're going to come out live and what kind of music we're going to play. Yeah. So is the band lineup finalized? Like is the original drummer, is is Dave back in the band? Or Dave is not currently, well, he's, he's, as far as I know, he's not going to come on for a tour. He he's okay. actually having a kid now too, so he's oh. getting in that family. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's you um, and Julian, and then is there anyone else that's in the band? Not officially. Okay. We have people in mind, but we haven't locked in uh, a lineup. So that's going to be something that we have to formulate as you know we get closer to touring. Um, you know, we've put out feelers for for bookings and um there is interest out there so i think once that gets solidified we'll start to lock in the official lineup you know there's people um that we've met from other bands that we're interested in there's people we know that we've worked with um on like a songwriting uh management capacity that we're interested in touring with so Hmm. we just have to uh you know come to a decision. Yeah. So you're still finalizing that. So you talk about you're taking chances musically, and this is all about like the art and collaborating with artists and musicians and video directors. Yeah. And some of the people that you've already got some guests on this, these songs, like uh V from violent idols, uh, yeah. Brandon Soller from Atreyu, Heidi Shepard, the singer butcher babies. Yeah. So tell me more about all these collaborations. Are there, are there other ones that are, that are about to be released? Um, there, I have a couple in progress. There's nothing I hundred percent. I can't really announce anything cause it's not hundred percent yet. Okay. Um, and you know, they, some people have labels involved and whatnot. So. Sure. <clears throat> but those were just people we worked with collaborating and, um, and we were like, well, we might as well do some of this stuff under our banner of rev theory. So, mm-hmm. um, we had written with Brandon Soller and, uh, the butcher babies and we had, uh, V do some remixing for us. So, you know, we just took it one step further and like, Hey, do you want to like guest on this song or do you want to do That's awesome. you know, a remix or maybe contribute, um, writing on one of these tracks. And that's kind of the the route we're taking. So I have a couple other people that I'm, I'm looking to, to possibly do collabs with. And I think moving forward, um, I'm really going to try and expand that and just collab with people that are either friends or that I respect. And, um, that's awesome. I look forward to that. So tell me about the new song. I think your newest song that's on Spotify anyways, is, uh, make me a drink bitch. This is like a really relatable song. I feel like I've heard that before. Is there a specific story behind that one? Or is it just, a general like <clears throat> yeah uh that was just we were just fucking around in, in LA. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh we were kind of living uh like frat style it was me and julian and our buddy clay who uh who works with um danny wimmer and he you know they put on all those massive festivals around the country um some of the biggest you know rock on the range and aftershock mm. and all that stuff so uh he's um 
he's just a homie of ours that we met at Interscope Records and we ended up becoming good friends and got a, got a place together in LA. And uh, I had a little studio set up in the apartment and we were just messing around. And I think I had pulled, I had made this uh, beat. I created this beat on, on logic. And then Clay started going like, make me a drink this man. And we just like, we were like, that's hilarious. Like it's a great song. That. And next thing you know, we like came up with the song and, and Julian, I think came up with that bass riff and um, you know, one thing led to the next and we, we had that chorus idea and then we just, you know, we scrapped together a verse and um, it's evolved over the years, but uh, it was just, it was just too fun. And, and we had a lot of uh, really good time uh, making it. And we were just like, we got to get this out to the world. Yeah. That's a great. So what are your future plans with the band? Like, do you, do you want to do, um, you're talking about maybe touring. Would you want to do it like a package deal with other bands and are you going to try to get yeah. your music and in, uh, involved in more media stuff like the WWE or TV shows or movies? Cause I feel like the make me a drink would be a great yeah. song for like a TV right. show or something. Right. Yeah. I mean um, you know, we're definitely always uh, on the prowl for opportunities in the sync world. Cause that's definitely been great to us in the past. And, you know, there's always new content coming out, you know, especially with all these new streaming platforms, there's always mm-hmm. new shows and movies. So, you know, we're always looking for those opportunities. So I, I really hope so because um, th- those are great to have um, WWE. I don't know. I mean, if they wanted to use some of our music, we'd be happy to team up with them again. They've been great to us in the past. Um, touring wise, we're, we're trying to branch out in internationally. Um, so we've been getting oh. a lot of love. The cool thing about some of these streaming platforms is it gives you a really detailed breakdown on where you're getting. That's true. Yeah. So we've been mapping out all the different countries that have been um, spinning the song. And it's just, you know, it's from Scandinavia to South America, Australia. So, um, you know, we definitely want to focus on spreading out internationally and we've uh, signed on with a booking agent for that. And then I'd love to do a package tour, um, definitely in the U.S. with you know some bands that we are friends with, or just bands that I love and respect. Yeah. So who are you friends with besides the guys in Hinder? You've done a few <laughs> with them, but like, is there is there other ones that you like? Yeah, Buck Cherry. I mean, you've done a few shows with tours with them, right? Uh, but yeah, Buck Cherry. Um, they're homies of ours. Um, you know, we've toured with Shine Down and oh. Theory of a Dead Man and. Um, Papa Roach, right? I think I, you did a tour with them, right? Papa Roach, yeah. We played a lot with them. Avenged Sevenfold, they're our buddies too. So, hmm. uh, you know, I, I toured with any of those guys again. They're they're all really good time and just, you know, awesome, awesome dudes. So um, definitely those um, and, you know, maybe branch out to some other bands. Like part of me wanting to evolve the sound is to be able to branch out into, you know, slightly different sub subgenres of what we do yeah not just the straight ahead hard rock but you know we've been infusing more electronic elements industrial i noticed that yeah uh, yeah that'll be you cool know, definitely i'd like to tap into some more of that metal stuff the the hardcore punk rock so who knows uh, i feel like sky's the limit and you know i just want to keep creating more music really yeah no that's great i love it i, I look forward to it. and if you ever come to phoenix i'll try to catch the, your show if i'm around oh yeah and then, but yeah, you live in, been good to us. yeah, you live in uh, San Diego, right? Yeah. yeah. And so are you, and you, yeah. I, I see that you're kind of interested in like craft beers. So what are some of your favorites? Oh, yeah. I'm a huge craft beer geek. Do you ever go to like um, pizza port and go to the, the play? They always have like a bunch of good beers there. 
Yeah, Pete Sport's always good. They, you you can count on them for some good double IPAs if you want to get a little uh, toasted. But yeah, yeah out, here, <laughs> out here in San Diego, I love um, some of the small producers like Fall Brewing, Latchkey Brewing. Um, uh, there's there's a small brewery called Pure Project. They're really they have really good stuff. Um, I mean, just you're a stone's throw away from any really good brewery out here in San Diego. I live two blocks from a place called uh, SD Taproom that has awesome beer there. So okay, I'll have to. Yeah, I usually go there like once a year or so. So I have to check. I always go to Hodad's too. Do you ever go there, the burger place? Uh, no, I I haven't. I know of Hodad's. Um, I'm actually vegan, so I don't. Oh. I don't know if they have that there. What what other yeah. good places or things to do are, are in San Diego if I go back there? What are like the staples? Uh, I mean, if you come back, let me know. I'll, I can take okay. you out to some cool. breweries. Yeah, hit me up. All right. I'll take you out to some great breweries. Um, there's there's also like a lot of places with you know stellar views. Like yeah, if you go, if you go out to um, like close to the airport, there's uh, like Costera. Um, which is like right on the bay and the whole oh. backdrop is the downtown San Diego. So it's a beautiful view. Oh, that'd be amazing. Like margar- margaritas and guacamole. And that sounds amazing. Oh, it's so dope. Very uh, cool. Well, I'll definitely hit you up. And then um, I do like to end with a charity. Um, is there a charity that you want to promote at the end of this? Yeah. Um, I, I have been donating to the ACLU for years now and um, definitely uh an advocate for civil liberties. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely a very poignant topic right now. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had people uh, promote, th- uh, promote that one before for sure. So that's great. Yeah. ACLU that's like my go-to charity. So that's a very big um, one. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you, if you can donate, do that. Um, it's definitely an important thing that we focus on now. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. And uh, look forward to uh, uh, new music and possibly hopefully a tour once this, uh, all these. Let's get some beers. All right. (laughs) I'm in. I'll I'll come to San Diego or if next time you're in Phoenix, let me know. Right on, brother. Okay. Thanks. See you later, Maddie. That was so fun. What a great chat with Maddie McCloskey of Rev Theory. Check out their new stuff. Uh, Make Me a Drink is a great tune. And I'm excited for more and to see them do a show and grab some beers with Maddie. That'd be really fun. I want to thank him for taking the time to come on the show. Make sure to follow Maddie and Rev Theory on social media to keep up with new music and shows. And while you're on there, I'd love for you to follow me and share the episode if you enjoyed it. That would help me out a lot. Also, if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, I've got rookie numbers on there and I'm trying to pump those up. So I'd appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon.